Hi, and welcome to the Fiercely Holistic Podcast with your hosts, functional nutritional therapy practitioners, Kristen Mahaley and Sierra Shea. With this platform, we're going to be your bold advocates, making healthy living achievable by providing small, tangible changes that will encourage your body to regain balance. I'm Kristen, board-certified holistic nutritionist and FNTP, owner of Nourish Holistic Health and Nutrition. I live on an ever-expanding farm in New Hampshire with my hunter husband, Dean, and baby boy, Henry. I'm Ciara, Juris Doctor and FNTP, owner of Aura Nutrition and Wellness. I live on Long Island, New York with my incredible husband, Tim, and beautiful daughter, Libby. We're thrilled to be joining you on this journey towards living a fiercely holistic life. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Fiercely Holistic Podcast. This week, we are bringing to you one of our episodes about intermittent fasting. And this is a kind of trendy topic that you may have heard of lately, but we just want to go through what intermittent fasting is. And just a little disclaimer here, we will sometimes refer to it as IF. You'll see it's the lingo all the kids are using these days. And we'll go over what it is, the history of intermittent fasting, the reasons why you would avoid it, the reasons why you would consider it, and the benefits, and then just a sample of what your day would look like if you do decide to incorporate this into your routine. As with many different dietary recommendations or trends or suggestions, you're always going to find certain individuals who take things to an extreme. And Sometimes there are benefits to that, but the the kind of intro that we are bringing to you today with IF is more of a sustainable, realistic way to incorporate this into your life. You know, we're not saying let's go do a five-day or a 30-day water fast. That's not what this episode is about. If you are into that, then we recommend you follow that lead wherever it takes you. But really, let's just begin, Sierra, with what is intermittent fasting and kind of dive into this. Does that sound good? That sounds perfect. And then I think let's start off with some disclaimers before we even get into what this is, right? So number one, we do not recommend IF for anyone with a history of disordered eating, any sort of food restriction, any sort of actual eating disorder, right? Like those are two different things. We had an episode with a good friend of ours, Becca. So there's a difference between disordered eating and an actual diagnosed eating disorder. Either way, uh, we do not recommend intermittent fasting for anyone with those. Any woman struggling with fertility, if you're pregnant, breastfeeding, you should also be avoiding intermittent fasting. The second thing, and this is huge, this is not a catch-all, fix-all, fancy-schmancy trending thing that will be your, your shining light. This is not a program or tool that you should be using to override poor eating habits or unhealthy lifestyle choices. So if IF is something you want to add in as a higher level, more advanced tool for health, that is great. But you first must ensure that your digestion is optimal, that your drainage pathways are open, meaning you are pooping 
every single day, at least once a day, if not more. You were sweating really well, which means you're not getting overheated when you're exercising and you're actually getting water on your skin. That sweat is really, really important. Make sure you have good sleep hygiene, meaning you are sleeping seven to eight hours a night um, and you were sleeping well, and that you were eating a highly nutritious diet of whole foods. Those are all things that you really do need to address before you include intermittent fasting. But this episode will be here for you if you aren't at the place yet where you feel like this is a good tool that you could come back to when you are ready. So with all of that being said, (laughs) yes. Thank you, C. Thank you for saying that. That is so true. And it's nice. Like it doesn't mean because this episode's airing now, like everyone should go do IF. By right. any means. And so thank you for the disclaimers. Definitely. And if this is a trigger for anyone, you know, end us now. Have a lovely day. <laughs> so the... No t- hard feelings. No hard feelings. So you may have heard of this term lately. Like C was saying, it is a little bit trendy. But many diets do incorporate this. And I always struggle with the word diet. I, I don't want to get on a tangent here, Sierra, but I know we both kind of don't like that word. When I use it, it's strictly what are you feeding and fueling your body right. with. Yes. So intermittent fasting is all about when you eat. So this really incorporates timing of eating, which I think is interesting because not everyone talks about the timing of eating. And with intermittent fasting, you only eat during a specific window or period of time. So you fast and avoid food for a certain number of hours each day. And you do that for a couple days a week or, you know, you kind of play with it as what is best for you. It does not need to be done daily. And then you have a window of time where you are consuming food. By no means do we recommend you restrict what you would normally eat in a day when you do IF, you just kind of condense it down into a smaller window. And we'll go over the reasons why and the history, but that is kind of an overview of what IF is. Perfect. Thank you for that. And I, yeah, because I think sometimes these trendy topics get complicated. Um, But let me jump into the history because this actually isn't trendy. I'm sure there was one influencer that kind of got on TikTok or Instagram and like made it popular again. But the truth is intermittent fasting, this type of, you know, therapeutic modality has been around for a very, very long time. As far back as to Hippocrates, who was a Greek physician, one of our most beloved teachers of nutrition, he recommended abstinence from food or drink for patients who exhibited certain symptoms of illness. This was his healing modality. You could also see fasting is prominent in many different cultures and religions. So this can change or shift during the year, um, can happen around certain holidays, can be found among Catholics, Lutherans, Methodists, Angelicans, Orthodox, Judaism, Hinduism, Islam, the Church of Latter-day Saints, and even Buddhism. So coming to the present day, intermittent fasting was likely introduced more as of a mistake or again, like brought around as just like a trendy newer thing. But it is something that is deeply rooted in our history and something that we have practiced for millennia 
also, I want to say too, going back even further to our ancestors that were hunter-gatherers, this was absolutely something that they didn't have to plan. They didn't have to think about. It wasn't for a hashtag. (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. It wasn't for a hashtag. No, like they just didn't have food. (laughs) So they ate when they ate and that was it. And their bodies just operated around that. So unfortunately, or fortunately, we have access to food 24-7. And some of that food is not even real food. They're food-like substances. Like McDonald's, I can't count as food, right? So with that being said, Chris, I think we should get into a little bit more about IF. Do you want to you wanna take the lead here? Yeah, totally. And Sierra, you and I have said so many times, like, We don't know who along the way said, you eat breakfast at 7, and then you eat a snack, and then you eat lunch at noon, and then you eat a snack, and then you eat dinner at 5.30 or 6. Like, obviously, with the progression of our culture and, like, the Industrial Revolution and people going to work, that all was added. But there, you know, our hunter-gatherers weren't like, oh, 9 a.m., time to go find a chicken egg and fry it up on my campfire. Like, they would eat when they would eat. With pasteurized butter. Yes, yes. And let me mill some GF toast. Like, that wasn't how it worked. So it's kind of, if you think about getting back to that, just one more thing. We never want, if you feel like you're ever using IF almost as an excuse or a means to cover up avoiding food, that would fall under disordered eating, too. If you're like, oh, I can calorie restrict by saying I'm doing intermittent fasting, like that is another sign that you may have to do some deeper emotional and mental work with the connection of your body before you jump in here. And and not to like bash IF, Sierra and I, I think have both done it. There's wonderful benefits to it. We just want to be really clear here. So you know, we know back in the fifth century, this all kind of got started. And then jumping more to current day, intermittent fasting as a dietary suggestion seems to have originated with a laboratory experiment on animals, mostly mice, in the 1940s. So researchers discovered that restricting the caloric window of mice in the form of intermittent fasting appeared to extend the animal's lifespans. So that there, like another little seed was planted. And then it kind of became pretty popular in 2012 with a gentleman named Michael Mosley in the UK and Australia after BBC released a, a documentary called Eat Fast and Live Longer. So I'd say probably in the last five to 10 years, Sierra, was when it really picked up steam. And there are various types of fasting. So there's intermittent, which we're discussing today, alternate day, and extended. We are only recommending intermittent fasting or IF. The alternate day or extended fasting, and that's more when you get into like a three-day water fast and and salt, a five-day, a seven-day, a 30-day, a 10-day. That is only really recommended if you're working under a doctor's supervision. And yes, period. And also, I just want you to follow your instinct here. So I want to share a very quick side story. I had found a doctor locally. He's a holistic MD, was a gynecologist for a very long time, and I had gone to him uh, for thyroid support. 
And he had put me on a slew of supplements. I'm talking like 20, 20 or so supplements that I was really struggling with and didn't feel aligned for me, but I felt like very, like he's a holistic doctor, he's an MD, so I have to trust him. Like I, I fell back into this, even though I don't really do that. I was in more of a desperate space and I was going through all my mold stuff and I was like, all right, I have to just f- trust him and let go. So the supplement regimen made me bloated to the point where I looked like I was nine months pregnant. Kristen, do you remember this? Like, I remember, like, messaging you in, like, agony. It was horrifying. Yeah, it was so sad. So instead of him acknowledging the fact that I was telling him these supplements, one of these supplements is making me really bloated, he was like, okay, well, we just need to do a a seven-day bone broth fast. I was breastfeeding. Stop it. I was studying for the bar exam. <gasps> and I was stressed beyond words. In that, <sighs> I, I fired him. Good. Your body I needed. fired him. <gasps> so what I want to say is there may be well-intentioned practitioners that lead you to this because you can get results, but, and this is a huge but, it is not going to fix outside issues. So I want you to really hear us when we say this. This is not a catch-all and this is not something that you should be doing if it doesn't feel right. Okay. Sierra, so proud of you for letting go of that doctor. And what did he, did you tell him that's why? Like I'm, there's no way I'm doing a seven day bone broth. Oh my God. Yes. And I got a little sassy. I was like, I'm studying for the bar exam. That's a terrible idea. And what did he say back? Nothing. He said nothing back because oftentimes, and I don't want to, I don't want to stereotype, but oftentimes what I've encountered in my experiences with doctors is that they know what they know what they know and they don't want to be challenged. Yeah. It's very un- unlikely that you find a doctor that says, oh, let me think about that. Isn't it funny, see, I don't know if you're noticing this in your practice, but when clients come in with like IBS-C or IBS-D or like gastroenteritis, everyone's like, so the doctor said do low FODMAP. It's almost mm-hmm. like they just found one thing and it's like, everyone do they low found FODMAP. The word. And I'm like- They don't even know what no. it means. And low FODMAP is really freaking hard to maintain. Not only is it hard to maintain, it's not the no. answer. No. You're still not addressing the root cause of those exactly. issues. Like, oh, I just follow low FODMAP. Okay, indefinitely- Right, right. You'll have three foods. Yeah. No, so it's never gonna no. work. I'm so glad you said that, Sierra. Thank you for sharing. Thanks. That. Yes, absolutely. So, okay, let's get back to intermittent fasting here, and um, let's talk about some important considerations when you are choosing to do this intermittent fasting. Number one, we say this ad nauseum: stay hydrated. This is really, really, really important. Outside of just staying hydrated, it's also important to take note, are you drinking enough beverages with electrolytes in them? So you can, we will link the the episode in the show notes to our water episode where we talk a little bit about this, but just as a quick takeaway, you can add electrolytes into your water in the form of like trace mineral drops. You can add a pinch of sea salt with a little bit of um, lemon in your water. You can utilize coconut water. Things like that are all going to have really good sources of electrolytes. We are not going to recommend ever utilizing Gatorade or any sort of sports drink. Another consideration is please don't binge when this fast is over. 
So I have seen this time and time again, again, even with like colleagues of ours who have done this intermittent fasting or even sort of extended periods of fasting where they end with like a huge steak and a potato and a beer and like, please, we're doing this for purposes to like allow the body to take a rest and to reset. What you don't want to do is burden it uh, with this huge heavy meal that it's not prepared for um, when the fast is over. And your best approach is to really vary the times of eating versus fasting from day to day. And we'll talk a little bit more about this when we're talking about like our sample intervals of eating eating and intermittent fasting. Um, But Chris, before we get into that, do you want to share a bit about the benefits of IF? I do. I do. And there's one thing, Sierra, if you start IF, the first couple of times you do it, it it's it might be different difficult you know and a little uncomfortable and there's nothing wrong with feeling the feeling of being uncomfortable i think as a whole we really don't i mean no one likes it but it's where some growth and change can occur there's always that fine line with if sierra of like okay this is a little uncomfortable for my body right now because it's different and pain is gain like that you guys got to keep in mind um you know, there was a time, I just want to share quickly, where I, to rebalance my blood sugars, kind of had to eat every two to three hours. And then after, you know, a few years of shifting that way, then I added an IF. And then I tried adding an IF right before I got pregnant with Henry. And my body just was like, hell no. Like it puffed up, it gained weight, it, I was uncomfortable, I was irritable. It wasn't the right timing for my system and my adrenals and my my pals, my pancreas, adrenal, liver, and spleen. So one little tip, if you are starting IF, some people will experience feeling a little bit lightheaded. If it is, you know, very, very, very mild, you're just like, hmm, I just feel a little lightheaded. What you can do is take a pinch of pink Himalayan salt and put it right under the tongue and then put your tongue down, like covering the salt and let it percolate there for a few seconds and then swallow. It just gives your body a good kind of hit of trace minerals. So I would always use that in the beginning, then drink some water and kind of keep going through my day. So the benefits of IF is that it does alleviate digestive distress solely on the fact that you're giving your body a rest. We, when we do eat every couple of hours for balancing other foundations of the health, it does put more stress on your digestive tract and you need to process that food. So it's just giving your system time to be. As we know, we you need to be in a parasympathetic state to rest, digest, repair, and heal. So when you give your body a break from digestion, it can kind of focus on some of those other processes if you're able to be in a calm, relaxed state. So I see it benefit sometimes individuals with SIBO or CFO. We'll see it can give the system a, a break when you're experiencing like an IBS flare or gastroenteritis. So that is the first thing. It also improves glucose regulation when glucose levels are elevated. So I mentioned a few minutes ago that I there was a time when I had to eat like every couple of hours. That's because my sugars would dip. But once those you know balanced out, you can use IF if you find okay there's a, there's a higher glucose or I'm having more hyperglycemia, always be cautious 
with those who are taking medication for type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We really don't recommend IF in that case if you're on insulin. Chris, before you jump to the next one, can we sit here for a second and talk about waking up not hungry? Mm, yes. Um, so this ties into blood sugar dysregulation, right? So you want to wake up hungry. And many, 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 many women in my practice, and I know your practice as well, don't wake up hungry. Or wake up nauseous. Correct. Right. Can we just sit here for a second and talk through this? Because the be- it's interesting that there are benefits to balancing blood sugar, but it may not be the right time when your blood, sh- blood sugar is imbalanced. Like that could be confusing. Can you yes. can we talk to that a little bit? Sure. So personally, Sierra, I remember being in high school, so like in my teens, and I would wake up so nauseous if I smelt certain foods that my mom was cooking. Like for my brothers, I'd feel nauseous, and my thought was, okay, don't eat because you feel this way. I didn't understand why. At the time, I was eating Two Point Weight Watchers double chocolate chunk muffins. Oh, I was going to say, or saltines. Or saltines. That's like the other go-to. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, no, not when I was nauseous, but like on a day I wouldn't wake up nauseous, oh, that yeah. would be my breakfast. Oh, my gosh, So yeah. um, when your body is waking up with nausea or no appetite, it's a pretty clear indication that your blood sugars are off, like Sierra said. And there's a way to rebalance that. So what we would recommend, or this is what I do in my practice, see, please correct me um, or let us know if you do something differently, is recommend trying to eat some small meals, like every two to three hours, to encourage your body to balance out those waves and spikes in your blood sugar. So just circling back, Your blood sugar, we want to think of smooth waters on a lake. We don't want like white caps or waves or spikes and drops because those ride the waves of your hormones. So metabolism, cholesterol, melatonin, serotonin, dopamine, cortisol, all ride those waves. So what I had to start doing was getting up and eating like no joke, half half of a hard boiled egg. And it was uncomfortable the first like week or two. I was like, I really don't want to do this, but I would do it with some tea with warm water and honey and lemon. And then I was like, okay, now I can do the whole egg and I don't feel nauseous. And then I would add in like maybe some blueberries and slowly get my body used to this. I see it also with men. Um, I don't know if it's the nausea component, but we have a lot of male clients who are like, I don't have time for breakfast. Mm, the time thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so once once you wake up and you're like, I am starving and ready to go and take on my day, that could be a sign, okay, maybe IF is a good thing to add in now for all the other benefits. And it does help encourage your body to use stored glucose and fat cells for fuel instead of needing to take them internally all the time. Perfect. I agree with everything. So some other ideas besides, so a half an egg is a great idea. You could also start with something simple as like a very small piece of banana. You could do uh, two or three Brazil nuts. Mm, Yes. Like something. Um, I know for me, something in your stomach, something I know, like for me, when I, when I'm kind of in the space where my blood sugar is a bit off, like the thought of Brazil nuts in the morning, just like, (laughs) 
not appetizing. No, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, it could be anything. Uh, one slice of turkey. Like, it doesn't really matter what it is. The idea is to just get something in your body. But, oh, go ahead. And notice, sorry, that Sierra's not saying, like, half a croissant or half a donut right. or half a piece of bread. Right. So we want to lean a little more on, like, your proteins, your fats, and your good, healthy carbohydrates found in nature. Yeah. Absolutely. And the last thing that I want to say to this, and the reason that nutrition and all of these tools could be so complicated, is because not only is it bio-individual, it's very specific. So we literally just said in one sentence, don't not eat in the morning until you start eating in the morning, then don't need to eat in the morning to not have to eat in the morning, right? Like, that's not for you as a lay person, to have to decide on your own. That's why you utilize someone like Kristen or I or any other functional medicine practitioner that's going to listen to you and your symptoms and your body so we can help you get to that next level, right? So these are free tools in this podcast to help you understand and learn, but it's not necessarily to help you be your own practitioner all the time. There are very nuanced pieces to this that may or may not, you know, this may or may not be relevant to you right now. So anyway, thank you for taking that time Amen. with me because I I wanted to speak of to that. Course. And the last thing that I'll say is coffee is not breakfast. Um, whether or not you put heavy cream and, and collagen peptides in it, that's still not a meal. So just know that. Right. So true, C. And it's funny, like some of our clients, so much of our practice is referral and word of mouth. Pretty much like our whole practice it is just you know, someone comes in and then they say, send like their neighbor or their best friend, which I'm honored. I mean, that truly just means the world to me and my staff. It's incredible. You're incredible Thank at what you, you do. So are you. So thanks. But the, but the reason why I say that is sometimes, especially with my ladies, they'll be like at a dinner party and they'll tell me, they'll come in and they'll be like, why is so-and-so doing intermittent fasting and I'm not? <laughs> or like, why is my best friend on colon plus caps and I'm oh, not? Oh, that's so funny. Like, it, it like we laugh and they they're like half joking, but I always say, you know, it's like where your body's at and when you need that's it. It's really funny. And I really hope Sierra, like yeah. that little voice in my head, is going this whole episode. Like I hope this isn't confusing people. That's not our intention. Our intention is to streamline the data, but it can be overwhelming if you just Google. I intermittent fasting and you're like, do it. Don't do it now. Not now. Like, <laughs> yeah, it well, And here's the thing. I think we have done a really good job of streamlining a very, very nuanced and complicated, complicated topic. And I think just bringing up these little ideas of like this food for thought and saying like, hey, think about how is your digestion going? Are you pooping every day? If not, that's what you need to pay attention mm-hmm. to. This is not for you. And also, we're always open for questions. So if you're listening to this episode and we're confusing the SHIT out of you, totally, then just send us a message and we will walk you through that. Like that's, yeah. Anyway. Okay. So a few other like benefits of IF they it can help lower triglycerides and total cholesterol it can be utilized for an individual who's looking to let go of excess weight on their body and notice how i didn't say weight loss because as we all know there's so many different levels and and pieces to that it does help boost brain health 
and it slows the aging process and it does play a role in cancer prevention or cancer support. So a lot of our cancer clients, we will, if we get them to a place where they are ready for IF, we will encourage them to try it strictly because on a very kind of molecular level, intermittent fasting starves certain cells. So it can help with turning those cancer cells back off and encouraging healthy cells to grow. And there's a whole timeline and chart. One of kind of the founders, I'd say, even though it started with Hippocrates in the fifth century, but like current day founders of IF in our world is a gentleman named Jimmy Moore. He's really big into keto. He wrote Keto Clarity. I've seen him speak at the NTA conferences out in Seattle, and he has a book called The Complete Guide to Fasting. One of the things he talks about, and you can easily like Google this, is for every hour you fast, something is happening in your body when you're doing fasting properly and when your body's ready for it. If you're not doing it properly and you're not ready for it, every hour you fast, something negative could be occurring. But, you know, once you hit, and I don't have the chart pulled up, I can easily grab it, see when you talk about kind of the sample inter- intervals of IF, but you know, once you go 10 hours, this will occur. Once you go three days, this will occur. And it's kind of like, I, I think back to when we were learning about not smoking. And when people talk about when you give up smoking, every almost minute, something improves in your body and your lung capacity. So that's kind of interesting to see. Oh, so I'm going to pull that up. Yeah, definitely. yeah, I'll pull that up while cool. you talk. Well, you talk about this kind of sample of IF. Yeah. Okay. So we, Kristen and I recommend playing with one of the following two options, either what's called a 16-8 split or a 10-14 split. The 16-8 split is eight, you have an eight hour window of eating and a 16 hour window of fasting. And the 10-14 split is a 10 hour window of eating and a 14 hour window of fasting. You do not need to do this every single day. It can be rotated within your schedule and even within your week. Okay, so here's some examples of timing and understand this is flexible and this should be done within your schedule, like I just said. So for example, so if you are new, let me start by saying this. If you are new to intermittent fasting, I would start with the 10-14 split. You have a much longer window of eating um, and a shorter window of fasting. So it could look like, Your first meal of the day is at 9 a.m. and your last meal of the day ends at 7 p.m. And then you break eating after 7 p.m. until breakfast the next morning at 9 a.m. An example of an uh, 16-8 split would be you eat breakfast at 11 a.m. and your last meal of the day is at 7 p.m. So then you, again, you are not eating until 11 a.m. the next morning. These could be samples. Obviously, no, this could be 10.30 to 6.30. This could be, this could be 10.30 to 6.30 or whatever works for you. Okay, so Chris, do you have anything else that you want to say about this piece? Yes. Some things that are included in your hours of fasting are sleep. I know that sounds silly. Like for some people, they're like, well, obviously, Chris. But other people are like, wait a minute, really? So sleeping counts. (laughs) You can drink water and we recommend water. So if you're like, okay, my window doesn't of of consuming food doesn't start until 10 a.m., please drink water before 10 (laughs) a.m. That counts as 
you know, being included in your fasting window. The verdict's kind of both ways on coffee and tea, Sierra. Some people say black coffee, black tea, or like an herbal tea is fine with caffeine. But as you and I know, they're also they're diuretics. So you need to replenish that with coffee. Now, if you're putting anything in the coffee or tea, like honey or collagen peptides or bulletproofing a beverage, that would count as your eating window. But I'm sometimes, you know, obviously flexible with that with our clients. Like, see how you feel. Do you do a bulletproof then you start consuming food at 10 a.m. It, yes, it's breaking your fast, but it's kind of easing your body into consuming food. So you can play with that. I did find and pull up that chart. So like kind of the hour by hour benefits of intermittent fasting. So I'll just go through a few of them. So a breakdown of what your body does during each hour of fasting. So this would be in your fasting window, which with the examples Sierra gave a minute ago, this would be either the 16-hour window of fasting or the 14-hour window of fasting. In the first four to eight hours, your blood sugars will fall a bit. And then all food has left the stomach and insulin is no longer produced. At 12 hours, the food you've consumed has been burned. The digestive system gets a rest. It almost like goes to sleep even during the day. And the body really begins that deeper healing process. HGH or the human growth hormone begins to increase. And glucagon is relaxed to balance your blood sugars. So you will have this sort of immediate shift in sugars and then things start to regulate. At 14 hours, the body has converted to using stored fat for energy and kind of we're ramping up a little bit more healthy cell turnover. You're starting to see an improvement in how your body's releasing inflammation markers out of the brain. And then at 18 hours, and this is much longer, like this is where we would stop recommending fasting. But if you, like I said, we're going for more of the intense levels. Um, this is when you get into like higher levels of HGH and ketones being released. Also at about eight hours in, your immune system starts to regenerate and we see a reduction in the inflammation response. So this is so funny because the body sometimes calls for this without us even knowing. You know, after, if you think back when you were a little kid and you had the stomach bug and then you wouldn't want to eat, like you just did not feel like eating. You'd maybe do some, some broth or some tea or some water. Like that was giving your immune system and your digestive tract time to heal, obviously from having a bug, like a virus or a parasite or a bacteria. But it's so interesting how sometimes like as children, we were called to do this or even adults, and then we get away from it and we're just like, oh, you know, time to eat. I remember I was a public school kid and I went, I grew up in a town called Sandwich, which I think some of you know by now. So at Sandwich High, um, we know all the jokes, at Sandwich High, like if you had like a week for your blocked <laughs> schedule, we would eat lunch, Sierra, at 10.07. <laughs> And like, that was your only chance to eat unless you like wolf down, I would wolf down a fiber one bar walking in between classes. But like, and then two weeks once you oh got on God. C schedule, it was like 1245. Yeah. And 
you had to eat if you wanted to. So it's just so interesting to kind of think of this as a, a kind of a wide lens as well. So what a sample day would look like, kind of bringing this all together. We always recommend working back from dinner, just typically because that's when everyone is together, you're eating. Sometimes it's easier to shimmy breakfast. I say sometimes it's easier to avoid this on vacations and big events, but other people say it's easier for them. Like, we're up, we're going to the beach, and then we'll eat. Or So you can kind of play around with that, but by no means feel like this has to be done every single day, like Sierra said. And then the big thing, too, is remembering not to increase food in that window. Like, you're eating Mm -hmm. the same amount. It's... That's a very, very, very yes. good reminder. It's not like, oh my gosh, now I have to fast for 14 hours, which P.S. everyone, unless you have a pre-existing condition or any of the kind of disclaimers not to do this, your body, there is a time when your body can do that. We're not saying like, don't eat for 14 days, right? So right. Yeah. when you're ready, oh, I, I, I hope I'm not confusing people, but the thing is don't say like, okay, I have to store all this food because now I'm going to fast for... 14 or 16 hours, it's the same amount. And you can still eat every couple of hours within your eating window too. That doesn't need to be shifted. You may find just naturally you're like, oh, I don't really need a snack right now because I just ate. But listen to your body's cues, follow those guides. Yeah. And one thing I want to say, if you if you do have that... Um panicky feeling about not being able to eat uh that is that's trauma right and that's something that should be worked probably don't do this so whether with a therapist yeah definitely like um i know a lot of a lot of adults that grew up in households where perhaps they were food insecure or they had working parents and had to fend for themselves like food is a thing. It's a really, it's a really big thing. So if you are feeling any way triggered by that idea, no, this is not the right time. So I think we should jump into takeaways. I think this was a really helpful episode. Um, so takeaways. Number one, intermittent fasting can be incredibly beneficial if you are in the right healing state. So remember, are you pooping? Are you sleeping? Are you eating nourishing, nutrient-dense whole foods, right? We are not recommending this to people who are only eating highly processed foods. There are a lot of shifts foundationally that need to happen before IF is incorporated. Absolutely. Number two, always listen to your body. And remember, this does not mean you have to wear this as a badge of honor. You do not have to push through. You can start this and be like, heck no, and stop it and never do it again. Or you can do it and be like, wow, this was the missing link and brought everything in my body to the next level and feeling really good. So try it on for size. See if it feels right for you at this moment. And as with anything, the body is fluid and is always changing. And what works for you now may shift as to whether or not it does or does not work for you in the future. So just keep listening to your system. And I would, I'd almost add to Sierra, listening to the mental health aspect of this as well and the emotional component of intermittent fasting and finding that balance between, okay, this is different and something new I'm feeling versus this is, I'm dreading this or it's uncomfortable or it's bringing up a trigger of old trauma. 
Absolutely. And lastly, when you are doing intermittent fasting, please make sure you are properly hydrated. Utilize your pink Himalayan sea salt. Ensure that you are having electrolytes in all of your beverages. Um, If you are feeling lightheaded, utilize the little example that Kristen gave, the little tool to put a pinch under your tongue. And we hope that you feel empowered and motivated and inspired and are adding another tool to your holistically minded toolbox beautiful see and if you do it and love it let us know if you do it and hate it let us know yeah are you doing if right now sierra i just kind of naturally do it's just i stop eating most of the time after dinner because i am done and typically what i'll do is like brush my teeth right away so i don't feel like You know, sometimes I'll get a ping for a sweet when I'm sitting on the couch. That's not actually a ping that I want. It's more of like a habit that I'm trying to break, a lifelong habit that I'm trying to break. So I'll brush my teeth right after dinner just so I'm like, okay, I know I'm done. I feel really good. I had a very nutritious meal. And then I typically won't eat in the morning probably until like nine. Like that's just what feels good for me in this season of life. But When I was pregnant and breastfeeding, no, I ate oh, yeah. all the time. <laughs> like, I woke up famished, and I went to sleep famished, and there was, like, no such thing as a fasting window, besides no. when I was literally in, in REM. Like, yeah. that was the only time I was fasting. Even in labor, I ate. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I had I, chicken. I made myself chicken soup that I was eating at oh the kitchen gosh, table. Oh, my gosh. I had chicken salad. Of course we and did. And we both had chicken, and... This probably, looking back, was not the best thing, but we like brought snacks to the hospital, and Dean brought trail mix, and all I wanted in between contractions was one M&M, but I made him only give me the brown <sighs> ones because I said it has less dye, oh, and he's like, you're God. literally moaning like a elk giving birth, like that you care about the red so dye. That's so funny. Like, also, yeah, sprinkles, the, the chocolate sprinkles yes. are like... Le- I know. I just can't. So this go, I'll probably bring some like hue, you know, the hue chunks. Yeah. Like the chocolate chunks. Or there's another company. um, Or Enjoy Life. Yes, Enjoy Life. They have chunks. Needed like a hit of sugar. And it's fancy. Back, not to get into labor, but like when I used to show dogs and like work for dog breeders, we would during delivery give the dogs either peanut butter in between pushing out each baby or each puppy, each baby, (laughs) each puppy, or this I never, like only one breeder I worked with used this, but it was almost a goo like when marathon runners run and it's in like a big syringe and we would shoot a little goo under their tongue and it was just like sugar paste. To wow. give them energy to like power, like quick energy to power yeah. through delivering. I mean, thirteen puppies. Yeah. So, oh my God. anywho, they were, we were not the dogs nor I were fasting during labor. <laughs> that anyway. might have been one of our best tangents ever. I know like the right? most unrelated. I have two dogs having babies. <laughs> To Kristen showing animals. Oh my God, (laughs) different life. Well, we thank you all. And if you have any questions, let us know. We'll link the water episode in the show notes and we will link the book, The Complete Guide to Fasting. It's a great tool to incorporate. And we hope you have a wonderful day and try this out and let us know how it goes. See you in a few weeks. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Fiercely Holistic podcast. If you loved this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave a review to help us grow. You can find Kristen at nhhnutrition.com and Ciara at auranutrition.com. If you have any thoughts, questions, or topics you'd like us to cover, please email us at fiercelyholistic at gmail.com. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. The views and opinions expressed during this series are solely those of the individuals involved.